Still to come on the program this morning, David Kosh will join us. Lots of footy topics to talk about one week out, or just over one week out from the start of the AFL season. Primarily, of course, Sam Palpepper fronting the tribunal, but uh, the concussion case that came before the Victorian Supreme Court. Now that's uh, they're all joined up, all these cases, but the AFL's position that was revealed in court documents that essentially clubs and players are responsible, not the AFL. We'll be asking Koshy his take on that. Make sure you tune in. That's just before 8.30 this morning. Speaking of courts... It's time to go around the courts with Sean Fuster on 5AA Breakfast. Staying here in South Australia, of course. Lots to talk about too with Sean, not just as we go around the courts, just lawful as well. We'll get to that a little bit later. Sean, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. Um, how often has duct tape been a, a c- critical piece of evidence in trials you've covered? Look, I'll put it this way. Seldom do I get back to the office and look at everyone and say, I've just written a sentence that I never thought I was going to write. And every time I think to myself, I've hit the absolute nadir of what I can hear as a South Australian court reporter in a quarter of a century. There will be some <laughs> Muppet that comes along and takes it to another mm. level. Just just listen to this sentence I'm and then say, we'll get I'll, into it. When this popped up online, Sean, I, I was reading it on the phone. And I just went, surely they, surely they didn't do this. A key component of the braking system on the truck that caused the 2022 Southeastern Freeway crash was fixed in place with duct tape, a court has revealed. When Magistrate Ben Sales said that during the sentencing of Man- Melandy Proprietary Limited and Malcolm Lindsay Swanson, its owner, I honestly thought... Wait, I didn't hear that. Mm. Because you're taking shorthand, you're going at a particular pace, and you just know the word duct tape because, unfortunately, you've seen it in kidnapping cases or whatever. You know what it turns into in shorthand. I sort of stopped and went, hey, what? Duct tape? But this is the case. This is the 2022 crash, which fortunately didn't kill anybody. But if you remember, injured nine people, some Mm. of whom are still dealing with ongoing injuries to this day. So while it is not grand mal serious... It is still very, very serious. Mm. But this- imagine how those people would feel. I mean, exactly. you know, you're, you're off to, I don't know, you're off to Hampstead Rehab Centre today for visit number... 2,423. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 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 So, this truck comes down the freeway, and now we have to stress here that the driver, Philip Ross Hicks, has been charged with causing serious harm by dangerous driving and is yet to stand trial. So, we're not going to talk about him for a minute, because that trial's yet to come. But in the prosecution of the truck's owner and the company... What we've heard is that the truck's owner replaced the brakes two days before the trip and decided that instead of screwing in the brake control unit that controls the braking between the front of the truck and the back of the truck, he's going to just stick it on with duct tape, which meant that all four axles overheated. None of the brakes were capable of stopping the truck. The truck comes through and unfortunately hits all those innocent people. On top of that, the court was told, now this is where we get into some dodgy territory, The court was told that the allegations in that case are that the driver had done more than 700 Ks on 40 minutes sleep. Unbelievable. So the idea of... 40 minutes? 40 minutes. So the idea of fatigue looming large Mm. in all of this, and the company's held responsible for that because it's a case of, well, you didn't train him properly, tell him what to do, hold him to the standards accountable. You wrote this story, I think it was in the paper on Monday morning, from memory, because Kate was in. Uh, David was had been off at Taylor Swift, and we spoke about it early. And one thing she raised an eyebrow out was the f- the penalty, the financial yeah. penalty for the company was ninety one thousand dollars, which right. 
doesn't sound like a staggering amount of money. No, it's not. Part of that is discounts for guilty pleas and things like that. The court heard that Mr. Swanson is heinously remorseful, has actually gotten out of trucking completely, isn't involved in the industry anymore, cooperated with authorities from the get-go, opened up his files to them, put up his hand for everything, confessed to everything. So you didn't need to... You didn't need to drive this guy from the industry. That's right. He's, he's gone from the industry. This guy abdicated from the industry as a result and apparently still carries guilt, shame and remorse to this day. One of the things that carries that guilt for him, according to the magistrate, is Philip Ross Hicks, the alleged driver, was a mate of his who had volunteered to drive for him because Mr. Swanson himself had just done a round trip to Melbourne and wouldn't have been able to legally and lawfully do the trip to Adelaide because mm. of the lack of rest time. So the guy was doing him a favour. Doing him a favour. So not only is he responsible for nine people getting wiped out, but whatever happened to his friend, and whatever happens to his friend from here, is kind of his fault as well. So I His think friend the being the guy who's awaiting trial. That's right. So I think the magistrate took a lot of that into account with the penalty. I wonder if they're catching up for beers once a month. It'd be an interesting question, wouldn't it? Mm, you know, at the end of the it. day, if it turns out before a jury that there was no force in the universe that meant Mr. Swanson could stop that truck, then the blame... So- sorry, that Mr. Hicks could stop that truck. The blame solely relies with Mr. Swanson. Has he- anyone ever successfully fixed anything in a car using duct tape? Like, has anyone ever successfully fixed anything full stop using <laughs> yeah. duct tape? Well, yeah. duct tape in and of itself is not a long-term fix, is it? No. That's the nature of it. And whatever you're using it for, it's a short-term... Well, Daniel and I were on a road trip last year, and unfortunately, we got struck by a kangaroo as we were driving, and we were able to duct tape the bumper of the car back on. Mm. But that only lasts until you get back to Adelaide, then it's straight off to the repair shop. You yeah. don't then say, oh, well, I can drive for the next five, yeah, six that'll weeks. Yeah, that will be good. It doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. Mm. Uh, now, uh, speaking of unbelievable behaviour, it's not. we're going to do, we'll do two cases this uh, this morning, mm. uh, because uh, Mr. McGannon was... was um, his case uh, for the Cherry Gardens bushfire has been back through the courts. I kind of want you to have the dump button ready to just go, this bleeping guy, seriously. Yeah. This is the one who set all the seven fires around Cherry Gardens. and uh, This is a guy with a cheeky bottle of Riesling in his glove box. Cheeky bottle of Riesling in his glove box and an open wine glass in the com- console. Claimed he was a CFS volunteer and was actually trying to stamp them out. This is the one who, last time we spoke about him, the victims were giving their impact statements, talking about facing a tsunami of flame, and he was sitting there in court sighing rolling his eyes, shaking his head. This week we heard from the chief officer of the CFS, Brett Lachlan. He said that the incident itself could have turned into the next Ash Wednesday. He was I thought he was great. I saw him speak outside court as well. He was compelling and still visibly furious about oh. everything that had transpired. And, you, and, would, and, you know, for blighting the name of the CFS, too, yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Well, that's right. Like he said, 2,188 volunteers, 411 appliances, eight aircraft, 75 loads of fire suppressant liquid. Mm. That's what it took to take this blaze out. He said the tremendous physical burden and psychological burden and impact and trauma on their personnel just goes on for days and weeks and months afterwards. That's only amplified when they know multiple roadside ignitions means the fires are not accidental, but instead the willful and deliberate actions of a criminal. They relive this experience through the trial, questioning whether their superhuman effort was enough. That this individual dared to identify themselves as a former CFS volunteer just adds insult to injury and serves to tarnish the reputation of members and our agency. Here, here. What an atlant- insult mm. to injury is perfect. Not only has this mm. Muppet done this, but then he's gone, oh, it's okay, I'm a fiery, I'm a fiery. And we know, unfortunately, from looking at the state's criminal history, there are a lot of CFS volunteers that get involved in some very awful stuff, right up through into including the bodies in the barrels incident. But that doesn't mean you just say, 
And you don't want to create a situation where people go, oh, CFS, they're dodgy. They're not. Yeah, exactly. These are, as he said, superhuman efforts by these people. And then someone like McGannon comes along and just tars that entire thing with a single brush stroke. Mm. Yeah. And he's got nothing to do with them either. Nothing. To, well, look, if he had anything to do with them once upon a time, and uh, Mr. O'Loughlin wasn't completely sure about that on the spot, he said, doesn't matter. doesn't matter what he did in the past. Mm. What matters is what mm. he did now. And Correct. there's certainly no leniency just for having once helped out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of new stuff on Just Lawful, Sean. You've got a new case. You're inventing new words. Well, Daniel's inventing new Okay, he's new research. You've got new earworms for people. We do. This week, we're going into the second of our covidiums. That's mm. a word that Daniel has coined to talk about the uh, correlation between the COVID pandemic, the lockdown periods of the COVID pandemic, and also the weird things that happened in court as a result. Yeah. So this Sunday night, Daniel's going to have a new covidium for you, and I'm going to have a song for you that just will not get out of your head. Where are we at with? I'm looking forward to that. Where are we at with the um, the, the the cases that would potentially have massive ramifications, precedent wise, out of COVID? Has it all been resolved in South Australia at this point in time? Not yet. There's still a few bubbling along. Okay. Whether or not they bubble to the surface is the question. Because is this COVID mandate uh, vaccine mandate? That sort cases? of stuff. Well, there was yeah. a big one in Queensland. That's yesterday. what. I, that's, that's right. why. That's why I ask. Yeah. yeah. We were fortunate, unfortunate, whichever way you want to look at it, that we had a lot of them in the time. And that was because, of course, we were enjoying a period where we weren't in as much lockdown as everyone else. Mm. So the courts were still functioning. Things would go on the Denny Van Hagen case, stuff like that. Obviously, the Treadray case is still yet to have a judgment about yeah. it. And there are some others that are, as I say, bubbling away under the surface. Whether that means they actually reach trial and reach court is an open question. The big one will be employment-related stuff. Mm. Whether or not people who lost their jobs, lost their entitlements, whatever, are entitled to any form of compensation or getting their jobs back. And that's working its way through the industrial okay. courts. Interesting. Great report as always, Sean. Appreciate Bye your time. Thanks, guys. Great to have you in the uh, in the Five to Blow Breakfast studio. David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, 6 to 9, 5AA Breakfast.